Are you interested in completing medical school in three years? Yeah, not four, three. The Medical College of Wisconsin has that as an option. And its Associate Dean of Admissions is our special guest today. Pop in your earbuds and explore the possibilities with me. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 511th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me today. Are you ready to apply to your dream medical schools? Are you competitive at your target programs? Acceptance Med School Admissions Quiz can give you a quick reality check. Just go to exhibit.com slash medquiz, complete the quiz, and you'll not only get an assessment of your chances, but tips on how to improve your chances of acceptance. And it's all free. Again, use the calculator at exhibit.com slash medquiz to obtain your free assessment and those tips that I just mentioned. Our guest today is Dr. Jane Maki, Associate Dean of Admissions and Recruitment at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Maki earned her MD at the Medical College of Wisconsin and is a proud alum, as you'll hear shortly, and in her clinical practice specializes in pediatric emergency medicine, in addition to serving at MCW as an Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Admissions. Dr. Maki, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you. My pleasure to have you here. Now, let's start with just something really basic. Can you give an overview of MCW's MD program, focusing on its more distinctive elements? Sure. So the Medical College of Wisconsin has a campus in Milwaukee, and we have two regional campuses, one in central Wisconsin in a city called Wausau, and then we have a campus in Green Bay. Those So we have two regional campuses. We're a private institution. Our Milwaukee campus uh, has 50% of our students from Wisconsin and 50% are out of state. And then our regional campuses are really geared towards replenishing (laughs) the physician shortage that everyone is facing. We're not unique in that regard. And the regional campuses were opened with the hopes that the students that we train there Um, when they complete their residencies, will return to Wisconsin. So predominantly, those campuses are geared towards Wisconsin residents. So close to 80% um, on each campus come from Wisconsin. I think one of the most unique things about our curriculum in particular, um, which our students rave about all the time, is our scholarly pathways. So on the Milwaukee campus, they have opportunities to dive deep into a topic that they're really passionate about. Some examples are we have an urban and community health pathway, we have a global health pathway, we have a patient safety and quality improvement pathway, uh, we have research pathways, um, and the students can choose. They go through a series of orientations to each of the pathways, and they choose and they do a scholarly project, typically in their first two years. And then on the regional campuses, they also participate in a scholarly pathway, but there is one, and that is the physician in the community pathway. I should say that our Milwaukee campus is a four-year campus, so um, our students spend four years with us. The regional campuses are three-year campuses, so you get out of medical school um, one year earlier. The target specialties for those campuses are really primary care and psychiatry-oriented. 
And those are the types of students that we try and recruit. Um, we know very well that students may change their mind. Um, once they get into medical school, they may find another field that they're more intrigued by and want to spend more time in. And so there is an option for them to do a fourth year if it's necessary, depending on the specialty that they've chosen. That's a little bit about MCW. That was great. Thank you. Now, does the curriculum differ other than length at the three different locations? It sounds like Milwaukee has more breadth of offerings and the two regional ones are, are, as you say, focused on primary care, which I assume are family medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics. And pediatrics. So not OBGYN. Is no. Okay. Although we do have students from our regional campuses who do choose to go into OBGYN and many of them have done it in three years. Um, Many of the specialties that you might think take four years to get into, we have had students match into residencies after the third year. So a fourth year is not always necessary for all of our students, but some that require that additional year, like emergency medicine, there are special rotations that they have to do that they just can't accomplish in three years. The curriculum are comparable. The regional campuses, it's very accelerated. So there are no summer vacations. Like on the Milwaukee campus, there are breaks and the regional campuses don't have those breaks. That's how we are able to get them um, to complete all their requirements in the three years. And there's not as many electives that, you know, there's not more time for electives. And so that's really the big difference. But the initial, we're going to get to the curriculum in a minute, but the the initial uh, first two years, they're done together um, with our Milwaukee students. So the regional campuses participate in the same courses, and they're just doing it in their geographic areas. So they have their own sim labs, their own anatomy labs, their own resources on each of the campuses. Um, And they do their rotations in their regional geographic regions. So the Green Bay students will stay in that area. And the Central Wisconsin students actually will spend time in hospitals that are in all different rural areas in that central part of the state. Is there a focus on rural medicine? Um, There is by virtue of their location. So a predominant shortage of our physicians in Wisconsin are those that practice in rural areas. And so that is sort of one of our foci is we would like our students to be interested in rural medicine and want to return to a rural community to practice, to fulfill those needs in our underserved rural areas. Sure. Now let's, let's go to the the curriculum. What is the discovery curriculum that I was reading about in preparing for our call, uh, both the three and the four year options? So the, the first two years are the same, right? So what what is the first two years? Let's just start with that. I, I somehow suspect it's not uh, the flex model anymore. That you know, two years in the classroom and you know. No, and I will say that yeah. the discovery curriculum um, will be replaced by oh. um, the MCW fusion rec- curriculum starting July of 2023. So we're about to start a different curriculum. So maybe we should talk um, about and- that. <laughs> <laughs> And so we're really excited about it. It's been a lot of hard work. There are many, many people that have been involved in developing this curriculum. And rather than having your one, year two, year three, year four, it's actually a three-phased curriculum, which I think many medical schools have gone to, where you spend 
So it's no longer two years of traditionally what we think of basic science. So that's been decreased in its amount of time. And so on the Milwaukee campus, they'll spend 18 months doing their early clinical exposures. Um, There are doctoring threads, learning communities. Um, The scholarly pathways will not go away. That's the one thing from the discovery curriculum that is coming intact to the MCW Fusion curriculum. The regional campuses will do it in a shorter amount of time because they don't have summer vacation. (laughs) So they will get it all done in a briefer time. Phase two is basically what we traditionally think of as the core clerkships, um, and that'll be 12 months. And rather than spending block times in specific rotations, they'll be divided into, into areas like inpatient medicine, outpatient medicine, and then the surgical specialties. Um, And they'll spend a year doing those. And then the third phase is really sort of the self-discovery phase where students can really individualize their education. So, you know, if you want to be a surgeon, you can do a lot of different surgical things um, and rotations, electives, and sort of focus that fourth year or that phase three. See, I'm in the fourth year. Um, Phase three. um, Old habits die hard. (laughs) Yeah, I have a whole new language to learn. <laughs> so in, in phase three, it's really individualized. And we're really work, we're really wanting to prepare our students to become really good residents, you know, have them be prepared to start their intern year when they graduate. Sounds fascinating. Um, Great. Okay. So that that wow that was a wonderful introduction. Let's turn to the application. What is the secondary like? Does MCW screen before sending out secondaries? I guess that should be the first question. Do you screen before sending out secondaries? The only real screening that we do is basically for basic eligibility criteria. So making sure that they've, you know, their undergraduate credits are coming from either, you know, a regionally accredited U.S. or Canadian medical school. That's like the biggest screening that we Mm -hmm. do. And then if you meet the eligibility criteria, you're sent a secondary application and given that opportunity to fill it out. Okay. And what do you hope to glean from the secondary that you don't get from the primary? So I think one of the big things that I think the secondary allows us to learn about the applicant is how they see themselves at MCW you know, did they do their homework? Did they look on the web? Are there certain things within our curriculum that they're incredibly interested in? How do they see MCW preparing them for the future? You know, are we a good, everybody tries to hesitate to use the word fit. So I'm going to say align, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, do they align with, you know, MCW's missions? Can they see themselves being a student um, at our school? And, you know, that goes for all of our campuses. It seems like one of your big missions is is supplying physicians specifically in Wisconsin. So is, is ties to the state really important for applicants to MCW? Only on the regional campuses okay. is that a specific thing that, um, you know, our goal is to have predominantly Wisconsin residents on those campuses. The Like I mentioned before, the Milwaukee campuses, 50% Wisconsin, that is where we cap it. And so... Ties to Wisconsin aren't necessarily something that we we look at and identify and you know pluck them out of the pool, other than like I said, the regional campuses. Right. Okay. 
but it is about alignment, if you will, <laughs> with um, with mission, I guess, your strength and your approach to medical education. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, it, it gives us an opportunity to get to know them a little bit better. I know applicants spend, you know, there's a lot of essay questions that they have to fill out on every secondary that they're invited to right. fill out and given that opportunity. But I think it it allows us to to see, do they really you know, do we see them as a student in our school? Is is Milwaukee the right place for them? Is Green Bay the right place for them? Is Wausau the right place for them? Do you ever recommend to a student, you know, I think you'd belong better at, at that campus than the campus you applied to or not so much? No, we don't do that. When the students apply, they rank which campus okay. um, is their number one, number two, number three, whatever, you know, we have three campuses, so they get up to three choices. Um, and we select students based on their choice. So if they're a Milwaukee number one, they're looked at for the Milwaukee campus. If they are a regional campus number one, they're looked at first for the regional campuses. Not everybody gets to interview. You know, occasionally we have students who rank a regional campus number two, and that may be where they are invited. And sometimes I think that we see <laughs> that they're a really good, yeah. in good alignment for what those campuses offer. And so we give them, you know, an invitation to interview on our regional campuses. Right. That Yeah, that would basically be the same function. Um, what is the role of the CASPER in your evaluation process? So we use CASPER as one data point in amongst all of the many. So it's not, you know, um, something that we use to screen in, screen out. It is looked at as a non-cognitive variable in amongst many other um, variables at, in our screening process, in our interview process, and then in that final decision. So sometimes things come out in the interview and the admissions committee will have a discussion about, well, their CASPER score was whatever it is. That seems to be more who they really are and so sometimes it may influence a decision, but we don't use it to, to. You don't use it like for screening. No, no, we we don't. Um, you don't you don't screen for interviews based on the Casper. Not not solely based on a Casper yeah. score. No, mm -hmm. not so just, not solely um, based on that. You know, if they have a really low Casper score, the admissions committee will you know they screen every application sure. of everybody that we invite to interview um so they will see all of the scores and it's just a, it's a piece of data that they use you know does the writing match you know if they have a really low casper score does it come through in some of their explanations of how certain experiences influence them i've seen it in applications where it does align with how they write and how they think and how they're portraying themselves. And many times it doesn't. Um, and so we don't use it as a, in our, in, in any sort of algorithmic, mathematical, magical equation. Or you don't use it in a vacuum either. It doesn't sound like. No, no, there's, you know, it, like I said, it is just one piece of information and amongst all that other information. <laughs> It seems yeah, to be have, growing. You have a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The primary, the secondary, the Casper, even before you get to the interview. Um, what is a common mistake, and I'm not talking about typos now, that applicants make in approaching the primary and or secondary application? 
So I think my pet peeve mm-hmm. when ahead. I read applications, Great and I've been doing put, this put for many, many years. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the things that I notice is they will just list their shadowing hours. I did 65 hours of shadowing and they don't talk about it. And we're not a school that counts hours to give credit for a certain experience. And so to me, and that is one piece of advice I give to anybody that, you know, approaches me and wants to talk about how to apply to medical school is to talk about what those experiences meant to you. You know, how did it shape you in some way? Are you going to use what you observed in your practice? What did you learn from the physicians? Um, Those sorts of things. And so I'm always disappointed when I see many, many hours spent (laughs) and no explanation. And I'm like, I don't know how to interpret that. So that to me is, I think, one of the the biggest mistakes that I see. I think it's a very valuable. uh, (laughs) And typos are always a big thing. I know you didn't want to talk about typos, but um, that is a high stakes application. And if you can't take the time... (laughs) To make sure there are zero typos, you know, one starts to wonder about, is it your attention to detail? Did you really care about it? How bad do you really want this? Um, Especially if there's many. Yeah. You can forgive one or two, but um, I've seen applications that have had several on both the primary and the secondary. Yeah. Um, And so you, you start to wonder about the person. I think you no. Know, I I I should probably take it. You know, not not say no except for typos. But I, I think everybody, all medical school applicants, know they shouldn't have typos in their application, whether they succeed or don't succeed. They may not realize the part about. Um, and I and I I still appreciate the point about it. They may not realize though that listing hours like a like a badge of pride is not really what what you want. You want to see some insight into that experience. What did what did you get out of it? Yeah, I think the hours are important. It does tell us, you know, how much of themselves they invested in what they're choosing to do. You know, the admissions committee is quite savvy. They know who's box checking. (laughs) Um, And so I think the number of hours is sort of that cue. And if you don't write anything about the experience other than what it was about, I think it, it indicates perhaps, you know, were they just trying to, you know, Beef up their application in some way, um, whatever the experience is. So any of the experiences, they should be reflecting and thinking, you know, what competency is this achieving for me? What have I gained? Um, What am I getting out of it? You know, applicants should focus on things that they're passionate about. Yeah. We're hoping they're passionate about medicine. Right. They want to do this the rest of their lives. Right. It's a demanding profession. It can be a very rewarding one. So what, what have you, what are the rewards that you've experienced to date in a, in a community service or clinical setting or whatever you've been involved in? Exactly. Right. What makes for a great interview? I think what makes for a great interview is someone who's actually um, authentic and true to themselves. I think the overly rehearsed, sometimes almost canned answers are sort of a turnoff. I mean, you need to be prepared and you need to think about the questions. And there are certainly many places where students can get access to all kinds of questions that potentially they may be asked. Um, But we're looking for honest, sincerity, you know, a good person, someone, you know, we have students do some of our interviews. And, you know, one of the things we ask them to consider is, would you want them to be 
a student in school with you? Do you want them to be your colleague? And so being yourself is really important, but also preparing and knowing where you're interviewing. <laughs> yeah, that's important. What is uh, the interview day like? And is it in person at this point or is it virtual like you and I are talking now? So we're currently doing our interviews virtually on all of our campuses. Um, We haven't made any final decisions as to how we're going to do this next academic year. We're having discussions um, about what's best. You know, there's pros and cons to both sides. Our regional campuses, you know, they're in smaller cities. If you've never been to Green Bay or Wausau, how do you know? You know, should you get to see the school that you're going to attend? Um, Milwaukee is the same way. If you've never been to the Midwest or to Milwaukee, getting to see the school, the campus, meeting people, um, there are a lot of benefits to having it in person. But we also see the other side is it's a high cost. You know, we're having on the Milwaukee campus applicants coming from, you know, all over the United States, Canada and other countries. Um, And so that's a huge cost to the applicants and our interviewers, you know, it's convenient for them to be virtual as well. They're not having to travel between clinic and trying to get to the interview on time. Um, It's a lot easier for them to just log in from their office, wherever they are in whatever hospital. Um, So it does make it, you know, easy on both sides, but we haven't made any final decisions about what we're going to do next cycle. Yeah. I've had, I forget which school it is right now, but just, just very recently for the first time since COVID, I talked to a med school admissions director who said that they are going in person. Might've been Vermont. I'm not sure though. I have to, I have to look. Yeah. I think it, I think it depends, you know, if you're an in-state university and you are only recruiting from your state, the travel time isn't that far. Um, But, you know, for a school like ours, where we have applicants coming, like I said, from all over, it's harder. Um, it's it's harder, um, and it's costly. Yeah, no, it's very costly. That's for sure. Now, MSAR says that the Medical College of Wisconsin received right around eleven thousand applications. Um, I guess last cycle, the cycle before, I'm not sure which. No, I think it was last. Cycle. That's the COVID cycle. We were in <laughs> right. that dumpster fire all together. <laughs> we were yeah, like, I where know, are these people coming from? Yeah, we all right. we all lived in that. <laughs> yeah, and hosted eight hundred and thirty four interviews. How do you want it down from 11,000 to around 800? That's less than 10%. And then to a class of 265 students. I assume half of that are Milwaukee and the other half are the other two campuses, right? So, yeah. So on the Milwaukee campus, we have 220 students because MSAR doesn't, we can't separate our campuses. (laughs) And so we give like, it's one number. So the 265 is our three campuses together. Okay. Um, So Milwaukee is 220 and we interview 650, 700, and most everybody applies to the Milwaukee campus regardless. And then on the regional campuses, certainly the numbers are smaller. The class sizes are much smaller. Central Wisconsin is about 20 and Green Bay is about 25. And that's another you know, factor that applicants should consider is sure. do they see themselves thriving and flourishing in a smaller setting? In that, in that smaller group. So the committee is one of the hardest committees at work at the Medical College of Wisconsin. They spend an inordinate number of hours screening. And so, like I said, everybody that gets an invite has been screened from page one to page whatever <laughs> and given 
either yes, bring them in for an interview, no, not at this time. And then, you know, we have to we have to magically come to 50, 50 on the Milwaukee campus. It has to be magic. There is this mathematical magic that happens um, <laughs> somehow. Um, and then the same for the regional campuses, really selecting and looking really hard at our pool of Wisconsin residents. Right. Um, wow. Sounds so lots so of screening. Lots, yeah, lots of, of meetings, lots of screening, <laughs> lots of meetings, lots of screening. We probably interview about a hundred or so about for each of the regional campuses to get to those class sizes, depending on the campus, but that, you know, somewhere yeah. 90 to a hundred for each of those. So that's where I think you get to the the 800 interviews. Right, right. All I, got, I just took the stats from MSAR, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. <laughs> Question, question, going back to the, the different curricula at the different campuses, is the three-year option not available in Wisconsin? Uh, sorry, in Milwaukee. No, it's not available. It's not. So it's only no. available at the, at the, at the, at the regional uh, campuses. Campus. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Now getting back to the evaluation of the applications uh, besides stats. Okay. What makes an application jump off the, or an applicant, I should say, not the application. What makes an applicant jump off the page for you in a positive way? I think one of the things, at least for me, is I peruse just through the experiences is some of the breadth and the depth. Mm -hmm. Um, What have they done? If I'm reading their personal statement, do I get the sense that they're truly passionate about medicine, not just helping people, but about medicine in specific? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, can they communicate that, you know, looking at their road traveled? all of the other attributes that they bring to the table. Those are the sorts of things that that I tend to pay attention to. How have they prepared themselves? Is this really the career for them? And have they really thought it through? Um, I think that's one of the common, you know, things that at the end of the day, when the committee is saying yay or nay, is it's a lot of it is understanding of medicine. And do they really know what they're getting into? And do they understand? And have they exposed themselves? And I think that's becoming more and more important as healthcare is changing. Um, do they understand interprofessional teams and how to work with, you know, all of the different um, arms, you know, the nurses, the care partners, the pharmacists, the dietitians, the families for that matter? Can they see themselves being a part of that? Because we're not solo in a vacuum. And so if that's what they think, then maybe you know, becoming a physician isn't for them because it is a collaborative um, affair for sure. Right. For sure. For sure. Now let's again, in terms of the, the application, I think that you're giving wonderful insight, but you know, one of the questions I get constantly from applicants is should I send an update letter? Should I send a letter of intent? And that sometimes varies from different schools at different points in the application process. Uh, what is your view? What is, what is the process at Med- medical college of Wisconsin? So the Medical College of Wisconsin um, accepts updates at any time. Okay. The applicant is welcome to go into our, our information portal and upload their information at any time. And I think, you know, as we start to, we're not quite there yet because we're still interviewing, but when we start to look at our wait list and we start to, you know, make decisions because we don't rank our wait list, you know, who as we build a diverse and all those sorts of things class um, and have a well-rounded group of students, 
you know, sometimes those updates help us understand what have they been doing since they interviewed, you know, that application, the primary one gets filled out so early (laughs) that, you know, many, some things may have changed Mm -hmm. um, entirely. They may have said, yep, I'm going to be a CNA. And then that job didn't pan out, but I ended up being an EMT or, you know, whatever Whatever. their choice Mm -hmm. is. Sometimes those things change and letting us know, or, they, they want to let us know why the Medical College of Wisconsin is in their, you know, in their top tier of, of schools to attend. I think it's important. So we allow them to, to upload at any time. Okay, great. Good to know. Now, there's a meme out there that if you don't have an invitation by Thanksgiving, you're toast. When do you stop sending out invitations? Uh, when all the interview days are full. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes that's the week before the last interview day. So we continually inter- invite people, you know, as, as March. the interview cycle goes on, applicants are starting to get, you know, if they've interviewed in more than, you know, one school or they got into their dream school, you know, they may decline our interview and it, you know, even though they had scheduled one. And so that opens up a slot for somebody else. And so we just continue to run through until we get to the very last um, interview day. And this year we're interviewing through mid-March. Oh, wow. um, okay. And so there's there's still, I, on the Milwaukee campus, we have five interview days left, I believe. And the regional campuses still each have a handful as well. So the Thanksgiving thing, <laughs> I, I don't know I have yet. That. I have yet to interview a medical school admissions director who has told me that they stop sending out interviews at Thanksgiving. Some say they send out most of them by Thanksgiving, but there's still some left. And others say, no, <laughs> you know, January, February, March. It's, you know. it's, it's open. Um, and until the interview day is full and remains full, you know, if someone drops out the week before, we're going to try and find somebody to put in that slot. We certainly, you know, want to fill each interview day. Okay. We don't want to leave slots empty no. for sure. I I don't know about that. Okay. Well, clearly that's not, not your policy. <laughs> it's not, it's not for yeah. us. Right. How do you view prerequisites taken at community college or two-year colleges? I think we view them like any other prerequisite. Okay. Um, you know, most applicants who attend a community college, you know, will eventually transfer to a four-year university, you know, and it's, it's not so much the performance in the community college years is that transition to you know, a four-year university. We have many, many students who have attended community college. Um, Sometimes that's, you know, the way they get started in college because financially it makes Makes the most sense sense. um, for a lot of our applicants. And so we don't, you know, we don't view it, you know, unless it's a technical college, (laughs) you know, something like that, that really isn't focused, but getting prerequisites at the community college. It's not an issue. Okay. Yeah. How do you view shadowing and virtual shadowing? Do you think it's important that applicants shadow? And then what about virtual shadowing? So I think it's important to learn from as many different physicians as you can and not be, you know, so narrow that you're just with one specialty because you know, there are so many. Mm-hmm. And as physicians, we all practice in a different way. I'm a pediatric emergency medicine physician. So I see kids and their families in the highest stressful environment. 
um, whereas another specialty may not be like that to that degree. And to get that understanding that we're not all the same. And where do you see yourself kind of fitting in? What intrigues you and what interests you? I think, you know, we've sort of managed the virtual shadowing, um, particularly, you know, in the event of the pandemic. And we're still seeing those effects on our applications um, and probably will for the next year or so. You know, as hospitals have opened up and clinics have opened up, more and more of our applicants now are having the opportunities to do in-person shadowing, but we understand. Um, And again, it's about what did you learn (laughs) and how did it impact you, no matter what the opportunity was, how is it shaping you as a, you know, a future professional in medicine? Um, So I think, I think we, you know, it took us a little bit to adjust. To what it all meant, we didn't really understand. The committee didn't understand. We have a very fantastic recruiter who spent time orienting the faculty to all these different, you know, web shadowing types of uh, platforms and what each offers, and you know what what did they actually get out of it, that sort of thing. So we could understand a little bit more when we saw a certain shadowing website what they actually were getting out of it. Um, so I think we've adjusted okay. pretty well. But I, I'm going to guess that if in-person shadowing is an option, it's you would prefer it to virtual. I would, and I would think an applicant would prefer it as well to be up close and personal and be able to ask questions and actually see the patient right. um, in lifetime. Um, and so, you know, it it's it's nice that things have opened up. It's given that opportunity um, once again for students to come and see what it's like and what our jobs are like. You know, you get you get to see all of the other people that we work with. You know, the team, not just hearing how we work through a case problem, although that's important. But you get to see the interactions and um, really um, understand what the day is like, because I think that's what shadowing is for, is to get a taste of what the specialty is, but, you know, learning from the physician what their day is like and why did they pick it? Um, And I think sometimes in those virtual shadowing, you know, sometimes there's not always those opportunities because they're attended by so many to actually get specific questions answered. And I think relationships get built. You know, I've become a mentor to students who were pursuing medicine um, just by virtue of them emailing me and say, can I shadow you? And then we just developed a relationship. And so I think there's there's those opportunities to gain insight from someone and develop a mentoring relationship, which is really important. That's wonderful. Thank you. Listener question. Now you are a physician, obviously. If you are a med student today, planning to apply in 2023, this upcoming cycle or the cycle following it, what is the one thing you would be doing to prepare yourself for medical school? I think I'm going to sound like a broken record. (laughs) (laughs) I really think that it's important to get exposed to um, as much of healthcare as you can. I think that's really important. Take care of patients. See if that's something you can do. I think those sort of clinical experiences, whether it's being a medical assistant, a CNA, an EMT, where you're actually having to show compassion and empathy for someone in their most vulnerable states. Can you see yourself doing that and communicating with people in that regard? And, and I think it can be very 
soul telling that if you can't find that within yourself, then maybe medicine isn't the right career for you that you should think about something else. So I would say gain as much exposure as you can and as your schedule allows. Leadership is incredibly important. Um, I certainly was not a leader. <laughs> um, Come on. When I was an undergraduate, I didn't do those things. But I think, you know, as physicians, we're leaders of a team and having those qualities and being able to lead a group, a club, you know, um, something at your college or your university is, I think, really important. So those are my two things, I think. There's probably a lot more that I would say to do. And I think most of all is do something you're really passionate about. Again, not the box checking and doing things that you think the medical school is looking for, that's not going to better you as a person. Really be passionate about the choices you're making. Um, it says a lot. And when you write about it, it's going to shine through as opposed to, I just did this because they wanted me to. And I I didn't get anything out of it. Or, you know, it's not something I see myself long-term doing. It'll, it'll come through in the communication. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember one of my first clients, my first med school clients, he was, um, he, he got in and he called me afterwards and he said, you know, we wrote in one essay about my butterfly collecting. That was the one thing that every school that I interviewed at asked me about. Yeah. And, th and that's important too, as burnout becomes, is such a hot topic. Um, well-being, you know, in the MCW fusion curriculum, there will be, there's a huge focus on well-being and career development and how do you maintain during, you know, med school's very stressful. Um, and so how do you maintain, you know, your, your self-health and take care of yourself? It's really important. And so to have those habits, you know, or those hobbies, it's really important because it's what brings you joy and it'll, it'll come through. I often will say, what do you do outside of science and medicine? Because sometimes people just really haven't done much else because they've been so focused on those sorts of things. But you know, how are you going to handle the stresses if you don't have an outlet in some way, shape or form, whatever it is? Right, right. What would you have liked me to ask you? Um, what would I have liked you to ask me? I think the most everything you asked, but I, I think for myself and personally, because I am an alum of the Medical College of Wisconsin. And so I'm very proud to be an alum of the Medical College of Wisconsin. And I think I think one of the biggest things that I have seen over the years and since I was a medical student is really, and this is going to sort of sound cliche, but I really mean it. It's collaborative. It's friendly. Um, the faculty really care about our students and wanting them to be successful. We're in their corners. We want to build relationships with them. I gained so many mentors when I was in medical school just by the relationships I formed when I was, you know, on my clerkships or um, doing other rotations. It, it is really that environment that really attracted me. Um, I was an older student. And so my outlook on life was maybe a little bit different than somebody who was fresh out of college. And so I wanted to be in a place where I felt like I was going to fit in and not be isolated. I wanted to be accepted. Um, and so the medical college was a great place. And I'm just proud to be an alum. I could gush. 
That's but great. I'll stop about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It was good. The whole interview was wonderful. And I think uh, we're almost out of time. You've been very generous with your time. I want to thank you so much for joining me and sharing your expertise, Dr. Maki. This has been delightful. We're going to link the URL for MCW admissions from the show notes at exhibit.com slash 511, as well as to other resources that might be helpful to listeners. Thank you, listeners, also for joining me. I want to give you a quick reminder. Don't miss the Med School Admissions Quiz. Find out if you're really ready to apply and competitive at your target schools. Take the quiz at exhibit.com slash medquiz today. And actually, the URL is just exhibit.com slash medquiz. The today is when you should take it. This is Admissions Trade Talk produced by Accepted, and I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. <music>